Well, today's program is going to be a little bit of this and a little bit of that. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. As I come to the microphone today for this edition on Wednesday of Truth to Ponder, I've been debating what to really spend my time talking about on this day. There are a couple of things that come to mind, and I don't want I don't want to forget that today in the United States, well, it's Veterans Day, and we'll be talking about that in just a couple of minutes. And then in the second uh, part of the program, I'm going to talk about something else significant that happened on this day, and maybe share a little bit of some life stories. Right now, many people are so tied up with what's happening on the political front here in the United States. And and until I have more to add that makes sense, I, I think I'm just going to leave it behind for today and turn our attention elsewhere. There's a lot going on in this world. We see the pandemic being in the news again, but I do want to share a couple of thoughts about that as well. These are just purely observations, and I just would like you to think about what I'm going to share. But today I want to start the program realizing that today, the 11th day of November, is what is called Veterans Day. Now, it used to be called originally Armistice Day. And long before I was born, and probably all of us listening, a number of young men did something we really hadn't done in this country before, mobilize a huge number of people to fight a war overseas. Now, we'd had some skirmishes and other things, but nothing nothing of this level prior to that time in terms of fighting an overseas or an enemy from another country, especially on foreign soil. Woodrow Wilson decided to get our army involved in World War I. It had been going on for a while at the time that we finally sent our doughboys, our troops, to fight over there. And it changed the landscape of the world significantly following that war, which set the stage for, unfortunately, the Second World War. We'll talk about that one of these days. Got some people I know that really understand the dynamics of the history of the Second and First World War. But today I just want to focus on this particular holiday and why why this special day is important. I was talking to somebody that was uh, mentioning that their child, who's a high school student, overheard a couple of young girls saying when they heard about uh, we, we have uh, Veterans Day, and their, their attitude was kind of sour. Oh, we have to honor those people again? That disturbs me to even think that there are students out there in our schools today who think that honoring those that fought and died for this country, or at least fought for this country and lived, deserve no honor, which shows the intellectual bankruptcy of our school system. They're not teaching this stuff anymore. They're teaching students to distrust police, dishonor veterans, be narcissistic, and belong to group speak mentality. I find it very troubling, and I hope you find it equally as troubling as I do. 
Some of these students will say things like, well, what did they ever do to deserve such honor? And it's because we don't teach history anymore. I've talked to many a college student that is completely ignorant, totally ignorant about anything prior to the year 2000. They know very little about history. They know nothing of World War II. You can ask somebody, who who are the ones that we fought in the Second World War? Who are the primary enemy in the Second World War? And they don't know. They don't know that the Japanese attacked at Pearl Harbor. They don't know that we sent troops into Europe to fight the Nazis. They, they have no clue. They don't even know the history behind any of it. They know nothing of the Korean War. They know nothing at all about the First World War. They barely... I've even seen college students asked who fought in the Civil War. They don't even know that. I really believe our schools are part of the problem in our nation today. They are the reason we are becoming increasingly divided because of ignorance and stupidity. I have a very low respect for public education, and here's why. I can talk in terms of where we live in Florida and how the school district there brags about their incredible graduation rate how many people are graduating our high school it's not like it was in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s where people turned 16 even when it look even when i came along in the 60s a lot of people at age 16 would leave high school in the 10th or 11th grade and take a good paying job and i know some of them have done very well for themselves but the quality of the education we received back when I came along in those years ago is so vastly different today than it was way back then. Like I say, when you talk to people that know nothing about history prior to when they were born, they're going to be doomed to repeat the same mistakes. They're not going to understand the dangers of certain ideologies. They all sound good on the surface but they're destructive in the very end. And for that, you can thank our public school systems who have done a dismal job in preparing our students. Like I say, I look at our school district where we live, and they brag about how great they are on their website, how wonderful they're doing. And you you stop and think, they're spending $23,000 per year per student of taxpayer money. Let me say that again. They're spending $23,000 per year per student. Wow. And what do we get in exchange? Kids that graduate that know nothing about history, whose grammar is terrible, And I've discovered another thing that has been increasingly happening in our part of the world. If these kids aren't, let me put it this way. I know kids firsthand. This is not second or third hand knowledge in a couple of different school systems. They've gone through their four years. They haven't turned in work from their freshman year and their seniors. They don't do the homework, they fail. And so they become special needs and they're socially promoted 
so they can wear a cap and gown and keep that graduation rate so high. We're not getting our money's worth as taxpayers anymore from the schools. It's just, and here's something else I've noticed. If you look over the the past, um, oh, I don't know, Let's go back to when I graduated high school. We had a lot of expectations, and you had to maintain the grade. You you couldn't just, if you didn't show up for class, you're going to be held back. And if you didn't pass the exams, you're not going to graduate. That doesn't seem to happen much anymore. It's they all seem to find their way through. And I find it very disturbing today with our educational system that we're not getting our money's worth. And we are essentially developing a drone class that will fall for anything because they can't even think for themselves. I've seen that over and over again. They'll buy into anything that sounds good on the surface and they don't have the capability of being rational at all. What I find equally disturbing are how many go on to college and when they graduate are still lacking in the knowledge of so many essential things about about our history, even certain things with mathematics that are useful in life. I'm amazed at how many people in their 20s are unable to balance checkbooks or pay their bills. I also am deeply concerned about those that go on to some of these colleges, which are no more than indoctrination centers in many cases you know you're not allowed to have a conservative thought on many of these campuses or you become shunned you must buy into the i don't know topic du jour the latest woke thing or there's something wrong with you and the worst part is you think of the incredible debt that these young people are being encouraged to take on a debt that will never go away in bankruptcy, a debt that you're stuck with for the rest of your life or until you pay it off. I can't imagine myself going to a school to take take classes in a topic where there's no real job possibility when you graduate and being a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, even three hundred thousand dollars in debt for a degree which is not gonna help you get a really decent paying job. You'll be spending more on your paying your college back than you will ever pay on your house in so many places. We have declined as a people in so many ways. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that we have so much information available at our very fingertips, at a keyboard or a mouse. I'm sitting here in front of two computers when I do this radio show. One I use to record my voice and do the editing. And the other machine is there for information that I can research and check email and everything else that needs to be done. We didn't have that back in the 1960s. When I went to school, we had a thing called the Public Library or the Encyclopedia Britannica or the World Book or a few others. How many of you that are my age, let's say in their 60s, that researched a topic having to use books and an encyclopedia 
and do your best not to plagiarize it, to put together some kind of a paper or research. I did many. Nowadays, they don't do any, it seems, in in many of the schools today. Like I say, I know a senior getting ready to graduate next year. They're pushing him through special education. He might even get out early. He will have been in school three years and a few months, and during his time in freshman and uh, sophomore and junior year, he was out of school about one-third of the time. So how do these people ever get through high school? How are they going to get through life? I look at some of the requirements from, from years ago when I went to school. If you wanted to go on to college, and, and some colleges, by the way, uh, still have some high standards, so a lot of students that want to go to certain schools find out their options are quite limited, which is sad. Or they have to go to a community school, community college, to pick up the things they were too lazy to do in high school, which adds more time and more expense. I think the root of most of the problems in the United States today, the division, is caused by ignorance. I don't think we were near this divided as a people when I was growing up. There were Democrats, there were Republicans, and Independents. And we weren't trying to set our cities on fire over politics. Yeah, there were, there were riots in some cities, but nothing like we're seeing today where any excuse... I don't remember... I just don't remember when President Kennedy was elected having riots in the streets. I don't remember at all when Richard Nixon won riots in the streets. I don't remember when Ford became president, riots in the streets. The same with Jimmy Carter, the same with Ronald Reagan, the same with George H. Herbert Walker Bush, Bill Clinton. It's only something recent where we have people that are stupid enough, and I say that very carefully, that they'll buy into anything because they're so ignorant of the realities of this world. We'll be talking about some of the things that people believe that just don't make any sense. Yeah, we're going to do this, that, and the world will be a great place. But I want to get back to where I started the program today. Today in the United States, it is Veterans Day, and I'm surprised how many people have a hard time differentiating between Memorial Day and Veterans Day. Memorial Day remembers all those that have died in war. That simple. Memorial Day, we it started out as Decoration Day a long time ago when many of the women in the South would actually put flowers and remember the Union soldiers that died. And in time, Decoration Day became a national holiday called Memorial Day for all those that gave their life in war. Veterans Day got its start as Armistice Day to remember the, the end of World War I in Europe. Remember, we had sent troops by the boatload and equipment and arms, and many perished 
in places like France. This was unprecedented in our history to be involved in such a war on foreign soil. And after it was over, when Germany surrendered on the 11th day of the 11th month, at the 11th hour, there was an armistice. And to remember all those that had served in this horrific war, we had never seen anything like it in our history. Soldiers being sent overseas. The idea of celebrating an armistice day to remember World War I came into play. Right after World War II, somebody came to then General Eisenhower and suggested that maybe maybe Armistice Day should eventually become a Veterans Day for, for all those that served in all wars. And by the time 1954 came around, that's exactly what happened. To remember the 11th day of the 11th month and honor those that have served in the armed forces, whether they lived or died, to remember all those that fought in battle on behalf of this nation. And today we have high school students that wonder, why should we give any of these people any attention? And it's sad because they don't know their own history. And what do they say about that? Those that learn nothing from history are doomed to repeat it. I'd hate to see some of the terrible things that could happen because of ignorance to these people in our nation. Though I fear we're getting close to that point because of ignorance. Things that make no sense start to sound good and you buy into anything. My wife, Lori, her dad fought in the Second World War. He was in the United States Army and he was trained and eventually sent to England to train some more to be prepared for something that the high command had been working on. We call it D-Day, June the 6th, 1944. And they didn't know exactly what they were getting themselves into. They just knew it was going to be big. And he remembers, he's passed away since, but he remembered what it was like being on those boats trying to keep secrecy so the Germans wouldn't have a clue. The Germans expected, they expected something to happen. And they, and, you know, our, our people were fairly clever to make a fake army somewhere in another part of England, looking like they were going to go to a different part of France, and that being led by General Patton. But instead, it was a different location in Normandy, in France. And soldiers from the United States, some of the free army of of France that had escaped, England, Canada, all descended at this place that was heavily armed. They had to climb up literally a cliffside to get where they were going. It was not an easy task to do at all. The Germans had incredible they had incredible armament to protect their their seawall. They knew that day was coming. 
And my wife's dad was one of those soldiers that came across on a troop boat, then into the landing vehicle, and under heavy fire, he survived and made it to the top of that hill, the top of that cliff. And he served all the way through, all the way through into 1945. When they had the Battle of the Bulge, he was there and made it into Germany in time for the surrender. I salute him and his service on this Veterans Day. My dad, after the attack at Pearl Harbor, my dad was just about 17 at that point. And when he turned 17, my dad enlisted. He tried to get in the United States Army, but it was recommended because he had a German surname, Biermann like I do, that maybe maybe he ought to consider the Marines or the Navy. Well, my dad decided because he was determined to fight the enemies of this country, my dad decided to join the Marines. And he went to Paris Island, South Carolina, went through all the training. And he relays this story to me when I was in high school. I never He never talked much about his time. My wife says her dad never talked much. I think they saw a lot of horrors they never could, could reckon with. My dad said that when he had finished basic training, they, they were giving some aptitude tests. This is in, uh, let's say, the middle or part of like 1942. And my dad scored fairly high. So they sent him to school for one year to Cornell University where he studied electronics and also began to learn about a very special mission in in China that he was being trained for. And he and others who had learned electronics and how to deal with communication systems and radio transmitters, they were sent into China where the Japanese already had a stronghold to take over these small areas with a transmitter that the Japanese were using for propaganda. They had to take it over and then start running our information on those stations. And he was in China for a little over a year before he, before his enlistment came near to an end. He was in for about three years, one year training and almost two years in, in various places, mostly in China. And he got out shortly before we were getting to the point that we may, he may have been called up. He knew that he was, you know, on bar, he had a little borrowed time and had not been for the atomic bomb. He could have been called back up to be part of a landing group to the island, the home islands of Japan. So my dad, I salute you too. He's been gone now for for 19 years when I lost him. So many serve their country, and so many today in our colleges and high schools are despicable to say, why do we need to honor these people? All I can say is our education system, our public education system, 
is a dismal failure and has been for years. We are graduating functional illiterates. They're drones and attached to their phone. They text with their thumbs and have difficulty communicating. They don't have the depth of knowledge to give them wisdom. And it's sad that many that we celebrate back in May on Memorial Day and those we celebrate today on Veterans Day are no longer honored the way they should be. This is Truth to Ponder. We would now like to salute all the men and women from our armed services as the orchestra and chorus perform the Armed Forces Medley. We invite those of you in the audience who have served or who are currently serving to please stand and join in as your song is presented. States Coast Guard.
all of you listening to Truth to Ponder today who served our nation in any capacity, whether in wartime or peacetime, my heartfelt thanks goes out to you. Because even in peacetime, you make some sacrifices being in the military compared to other things you could do with your life. And I thoroughly understand that. Thank you for your service to our nation. Right now, we need to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to change gears a little bit and share a bit of a, a fascinating story that you'll like to hear. I want to share a couple of memories as well. Our address for Truth to Ponder, if you'd like to contact us, is Truth to Ponder, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. That's 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, Berkshire Lane. Add the number 263 on that line. That helps it get you the correct little box we have here. In the city of Sky Valley, two words, Sky Valley, Georgia, Sky Valley, Georgia. And the zip code is 30537. That's 30537. We will be right back. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to Truth to Ponder for this Wednesday as we remember Veterans Day here in the United States. I spent the first part of the program talking a little bit about education and why I'm so saddened to see students coming out of our high schools today, in our high schools today, that look at veterans and look down upon them. Why do we need to celebrate them? What makes them so special? What makes them so important? And to think we have young people today in our schools where the school systems have been such dismal failures in explaining maybe why their grandparents or great-grandparents, maybe why they're not even here, We have lost sight of our history. We've lost sight of our humanness and compassion. And that's one of the dangers of the age in which we live. You know, I look at the social media today and I find social media very troubling. People attack each other with vitriol hate and anger. And I know those on the right side of the spectrum are not really that well behaved, but I will say some of the things from the left urging people to be dead, to die, to be put on a list, to be shunned and destroyed. I find that ever so troubling. In time, we will figure out where we are going as a nation. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are waiting with anticipation. And I, I, I still say it's got a little bit of time to go before it all sorts out. I'll only say this, and then I'm going to move on to something else. I think the rush to declare a president-elect by the media was wrong. We've had too much, and I'm also very 
upset with this, oh, there's no widespread voter fraud. If you believe that, I've got some oceanfront property in Arizona and a bridge in Brooklyn I'll throw in for free. When thousands of ballots arrive in boxes, in vans, in cars, in the middle of the night, yeah, I'm a little bit concerned. I'm very concerned. I'm very concerned that that our republic, our democratic republic is being, could be very well destroyed by fraud and lying and thievery. Time will tell. Time will tell. I think the biggest issue our nation faces today is not even so much the internal politics that we have to deal with. Honestly, that's just one of our problems. A poorly educated citizenry that are under the age of 40. I mean, they are voting now. They're becoming into the into the system. You know, it's amazing. I'm going to tell you a little story, and I'm kind of going down a momentary rabbit trail here. A few years ago, my wife and I went into a a sandwich shop. Okay, I'll go tell you which one it is. It doesn't make any difference to me. It is Jimmy John's. We were hungry, and it was there at a shopping center, and we decided to go in. Now, this was on a, well, probably a weekday in the mid to later part of the afternoon. We had gotten, we had been getting a late start on everything right down to breakfast but so we're talking like 2 30 it's not exactly the lunch rush hour and we walked into this jimmy john's in port st lucie florida and like i say there's like nobody sitting at the tables they're like four people behind the counter and there's nobody in line and everybody that was behind the counter was on their phone and they weren't paying attention. It took me, I waited a moment to see politely if anybody's going to notice that we're here. And suddenly this one guy goes, oh, oh, how can I help you? So we made a very specific order. Very clear, very simple, nothing complicated. We ordered one of their Italian subs. And I, I said, let me make this very clear. No mayonnaise. Can you say that back? Because I've had this problem before. Yeah, you want uh, you want the sandwich, hold the mayo, exactly. And the order goes to somebody else who's looking at their phone. Now, Jimmy John's is supposed to be famous for freaky fast service. Well, it was incredibly slow service because everybody's playing with their phone on company time. And they got the order totally wrong. It was slathered in mayonnaise. And I had to debate with this young guy. Uh, You got the order wrong. What do you mean? It's full of mayonnaise. So I don't want it. I told you not to put it on there. Well, what am I supposed to do about it? I said, make me another sandwich. And I had to debate the guy. This is the problem. When I got my first job when I was 16... I'm working at a small department store. I'm a stock boy. It's not an easy job. You got to go back in that stock room, load up pallets of stuff, drag them out, put them on the shelf, hope you're doing it right. 
and you didn't dare make a mistake, you might lose that job because there were plenty of other people that wanted that job. A lot of parents now don't have that requirement on their kids. They get to have their phone for free, no responsibility. And like I said in the first part of the program, the significant number of these kids that don't understand the word responsibility. There's no consequence anymore. The biggest problem our nation is facing in certain behaviors and things that are happening is there's no consequence, no responsibility, and no desire to be the best you can be. We slough through life. And I see that as one of the most dangerous things facing our nation today. I'm sorry, but I really believe we are facing some perilous times. I'm in my 60s, and I have to wonder what the world is going to be like when I'm in my 70s, or if God grants me to be in my 80s or even 90. What's this world going to be like if we continue this terrible trend of public education just abusing our children with crappy education? I'm sorry. But when you have a person graduating the 12th grade that still cannot understand 9th grade mathematics or 7th grade English, but somehow they're going to graduate early and be little troopers out there, and if we get the corona bug behind us, they, they get to walk in a cap and gown next year. For doing what? When I was in high school, there was a guy that was in my brother's class. My brother was two years ahead of me. So I was in the 10th grade when he finished the 12th, and he had a buddy of his in his class. Well, he didn't quite make it at the end of the year, so he ended up in the class behind. He didn't graduate. And then he did the same thing again. He ended up in my class. Six years of high school, he finally, they were not going to just socially promote him because he was pushing 20. They required of him to do the work. There was a consequence. And his parents had had enough, and they, were, they, they, made, they lowered the boom and said, you're going to do this. And he did. He somehow got his act together after being left behind twice in high school. And he realized at a young age when he got his first job with just a high school education and no ambition at all, no ambition at all to be, uh, to do anything, you know, what are you going to do with this, with that, without an education, you know, menial jobs. And one day he woke up, he tells a story when we had our 20th class reunion, he was there at our class reunion. He said, I worked one of these miserable jobs at a grocery store, and I'm in my 20s packing groceries. This is not like the job when you're 16 or you're semi-retired and want to work a couple of hours a day just to get out of the house. He said, I'm having to do this eight hours a day, five and six days a week. And he said, I'm not getting anything much more than minimum wage. This is not going to do. And so he decided he needed to do something for himself. And he he remembered his grandmother's great recipes for tomato sauce and all kinds of stuff. And he decided to learn how to do some cooking. And he eventually ended up out in 
the state of Montana, which makes almost no sense how he got there, he tells the story that one day he saved up his money from still living at home, saved up his money, took the recipes that he had learned how to make, and he went out to a town in Montana, and he opened up a business with all that he had and put his heart into it called Red Pies over Montana. Instead of Red Skies, Red Pies. And he developed a successful pizza chain. Did very well financially. Went back to school. Became a real estate agent. And he is a very successful man to this day. But it took... He didn't get there by just sloughing through. He had to be... Well, he had to pay a price for not getting the work done. And he did. And finally... And finally, in his, in his late 20s, he got his act together, and like I say, he's done quite well, and he still has. Today, we don't have a world of consequences, so if there's no consequence, there's no driving force to make you want to do better. And so, if you're a parent or a grandparent, or even a great-grandparent, maybe you need to find out what's going on in your child's school. I believe they've turned mostly into indoctrination centers when it comes to politics, and they're taking ever-increasing amounts of taxpayer dollars. You know, like I say, where I live at, it's like $23,000 per year per student. Something tells me that if someone gave me 20 students and gave me $23,000 per student, I think I could do a good job of getting them properly educated I mean, seriously, seriously educated. Something else that I've noticed since 1968, this is something that dawned on me not long ago, the number of administrators we have in schools these days. We are top-heavy on administrators making six-figure salaries. When I was in high school, we had a principal, a vice principal, and two secretaries, and that was the end of it right there. Now you have all kind of a guidance counselor, but a guidance counselor also taught a class. So they, they wore more than one hat. Today, you go into buildings and you got all this office space for all this administration and all this. We have computers today. They didn't even have those back then. They say that we have eight times the number of administrators in the average school today than we did 30 years ago. It's a profession. And what have we gotten for it? Lowering test scores and standards. That's all we've seemed to reap from all this money we spend. We spend more money, even in spite of inflation, than we ever have on education. And the results are not that great. Money is not the solution. Standards are. All right, to change gears right now. I want to go to a totally different direction on this part of the program. Like I say, this is a this and that program. I'm hoping to have a guest for tomorrow to talk about some fascinating things that I'm seeing occur, and, and we'll hopefully get confirmation tonight. I want to go back in time, 50 years. 50 years ago, actually 45 years ago, I'm sorry, 45 years ago. And I remember the story a little bit on the news not too much I had just moved to Georgia in 1975 
and was married by this time. And I look back, I look back and I want to remember this day, or yesterday actually, but uh, I remember growing up in Long Island, New York. And I'd seen maps of the United States, and I'd seen the Gulf of Mexico, and I'd seen the Great Lakes and the oceans, and and I'd been, we saw a bay every year where I lived at, a small bay. On a map, it's just a little tiny speck compared to everything else. And I saw the ocean occasionally from Jones Beach, but I'd never seen the Great Lakes. When we moved to upstate New York in 19, early 1968, finally had a chance to see Lake Ontario. And I thought, you know, I'd never seen it. We drove up there, and I'm looking, I'm realizing, this thing's like an ocean. It's huge. And I can tell you from a couple of winter storms that I went through there, I've seen waves like a hurricane would see at at the Atlantic Ocean on Lake Ontario. I have seen frozen splash and high winds in Ohio on Lake Erie, and the same with Lake Superior, Lake Michigan. We don't realize how massive these lakes are and, and what a and what a vital chain they make in moving material around. And so you go back to 45 years ago yesterday, November the 10th, there was a terrible storm on Lake Superior. And there was this huge... I mean, it's hard to believe how big this thing was. It, you know, it, it is, it's like an open container ship that was, you know, it could, it was like 720 some odd feet long, 75 feet wide. And it, I mean, it, it had a depth when it was full of like 39 feet. And they would move iron ore from, from up in, Duluth, Minnesota, and try to get the ore to these distribution places, you know, a place like Toledo, Ohio, or maybe Detroit, Michigan, where they had steel mills at that time. And since the 1950s, the boat was built in 57, the Edmund Fitzgerald. Remember that boat? And when I think of the Great Lakes and what I've seen, it's hard to imagine, but I have seen the fury. And that boat was almost at its destination, Whitefish Bay, when that storm with 35-foot waves and just incredible winds, hurricane-force winds, they don't really understand what happened, but the boat split in two and sank. When I was the pastor of a church in Sarasota, Florida, there was a couple that came to that church, and their former church was the Mariner's Cathedral in Detroit. And that is the same cathedral and church that was built to always honor the mariners that would be on those seas and risking their lives at times, too. That boat sank in 530 feet of water just inside the Canadian line of on the lake. It was trying to make its way to Detroit. And after the word came out, pastor of that church rang the bell 29 times for each life lost on that night of the Edmund Fitzgerald going down. 
This is Truth to Ponder. The legend lives on from the Chippewa on down of the big lake they call Gitchagumi. The lake, it is said, never gives up her dead when the skies of November turn gloomy. With a load of iron ore, 26,000 tons more than the Edmund Fitzgerald weighed empty. That good ship and true was a bone to be chewed when the gales of November came early. The ship was the pride of the American side, coming back from some mill in Wisconsin. As the big freighters go, it was bigger than most With a crew and good captain well-seasoned Concluding some terms with a couple of steel firms When they left fully loaded for Cleveland Then later that night when the ship's bell rang Could it be the north wind they'd been feeling? Tattletail sound and the wave broke over the railing. And every man knew as the captain did too, twas the witch of November come stealing. The dawn came late and the breakfast had to wait when the gales of November came slashing. When afternoon came, it was freezing rain. In the face of a hurricane west wind When supper time came The old cook came on deck Saying, fellas, it's too rough to feed you p.m. a main hatchway gave in He said, fellas, it's been good to know ya The captain wired in, he had water coming in And the good ship and crew was in peril And later that night when his lights went out of sight Came the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald Does anyone know where the love of God goes When the waves turn the minutes to hours? The searchers all say they'd have made whitefish pay If they'd put 15 more miles behind her They might have split up or they might have capsized They may have broke deep and took water all that remains is the faces and the names Of the wives and the sons and the daughters Lake Huron Rose Superior sings 
in the rooms of her ice water mansion. Old Michigan steams like a young man's dreams. The islands and bays are for sportsmen. And farther below Lake Ontario takes in what Lake Erie can send her. The iron boats go as the mariners all know with the gales of November remembered. Musty old hall in Detroit They prayed in the Maritime Sailors Cathedral The church bell chimed till it rang 29 times For each man on the Edmund Fitzgerald and The legend lives on from the Chippewa Down of the big lake they call Gitchagumi Superior, they said, never gives up her dead when the gales of November come early. Gordon Lightfoot and his very famous song, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Memories from a time gone by. I think for today, remembering Veterans Day is important and also being concerned about the direction of our nation and even the, the world for that matter. So many things are now being normalized and accepted, which we never would have accepted before. And I'm deeply concerned of what kind of people we're going to be in less than a generation from now. This is the program Truth to Ponder. I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Today was just one of those days where I wanted to just share a few things that are on my mind. Tomorrow, I plan to change gears just a little bit and share a few more things that I think you're going to find fascinating. And I really appreciate those that have been letting me know you listen. Would you visit our website, truth2ponder.com, truth2ponder.com. Let me know that you're listening. Shortwave time is not free, and I'm getting ready to send another check off to, to pay for the airtime. And any help you'd like to give is always appreciated. You can do it from the website or use our physical mailing address here in Georgia, Truth to Ponder, and that is 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. That's 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. The 263 is actually our little P.O. box up here in the mountains, our little tiny post office, number 263. And that is in Sky Valley. That's two words, Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537. That's 30537. You can email me directly at bob at truth2ponder.com. 
let me know you are listening. Until tomorrow, may God bless. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.